this is Jason Kelly, and this is the Practicing History Podcast. The Practicing History Podcast is about the way we construct our pasts, uh, not just as professional historians, but how all of us every day tell stories, speak, think, and reflect historically, and how in doing this, we're all historians. I want to thank all of you who've been listening to the podcast and uh, sending me feedback through uh, Twitter and my website. I appreciate it. I would love to hear more from you about what you'd like to hear on the podcast. As you remember from last week, I introduced the concept of historiography, and I summarized how historiography is the process of sifting through historical interpretations, analyzing them, and even creating new historical narratives. Historiographical analysis is a powerful tool, and it can tell us a lot about how people thought in the past and even how they think in the present. It can be uh, even a tool for uh, criticism and self-reflection. And today, I, I want to turn to one form of historical interpretation, and that's the analysis of causation. Simply put, causation is the study of how one event or sequence of event affects another. And for most historians, this is where the history rubber hits the road. Uh, they merge discrete facts or discrete events together to produce an interpretation of how they relate to each other, uh, specifically in a temporal framework, the cause and effect of one event on another. Now, Initially, if we think about it, it might not seem too problematic of a process. If we have enough facts, we can see how they relate to each other chronologically. However, this isn't the case. Even for the simplest of facts or the simplest of events, uh, to understand them requires a complex sequence of analyses, interpretations, and sometimes even guesses. To get at this a little bit better, I want to take us back 300 years and acquaint ourselves with the Scottish philosopher David Hume. David Hume was born in 1711, and he attended the University of Edinburgh by the time he was 12 years old. So even in an age where students started university young by our standards, he was young by his st standards of his day. Uh, the average student went started university at around 14 years of age. He wasn't particularly enamored with his professors at the university, but he was taken with the study of philosophy, which he devoted most of his time to. Now, by the time he was 26 years old, he'd completed one of the most important works of philosophy ever written, A Treatise of Human Nature. Unfortunately for him, however, his contemporaries found it too difficult uh, to get at. And in fact, his fame as a writer came later in life uh, with his six-volume History of England. Now for us, surprisingly, we're not so interested with his history today. Rather, what we're interested in is his philosophical work and specifically his analysis of causation. David Hume started from the premise that we can infer knowledge only from experience. So in other words, we're not born knowing innate truths, but rather we have to build knowledge through sensory experience. 
The problem with this, uh, as Hume pointed out, is that we have a tendency to impose order on the world that we're experiencing, even if we have good reason to or not. So let's say uh, we have the experience of lifting a rock with our hands from the time we're children. And every time we lift this rock and then let it go, it falls to the ground. Now, at some point, we're going to infer that rocks fall if you drop them. And in fact, we eventually infer that when we pick up dense material objects and release them, they fall to the ground. Now, our tendency, says Hume, would be to say that it's a law of nature, that when you let go of something heavy, it's going to fall to the ground. We might say that the fall is caused by gravity, a force exerted by masses on other masses, which was uh, the standard science of his day. In fact, we might go so far as to predict how things are going to fall in the future. But Hume says, not so fast. We don't have any proof that nature is going to continue functioning as it seems it always has done in the past. Next time we drop a rock, we have no assurances that it won't fly up in the air. Instead, what we're doing is we're inferring from past experience that things are going to continue to go on the way they always seem to have gone, gone on. Now, this insight of David Hume's that we're inferring and imposing these ideas on what we're experiencing around the world, around in our experience, has huge implications for our understanding of causation. Hume used the example of billiard balls. If billiard ball A hits billiard ball B, most people would claim that billiard ball A will cause billiard ball B to move. Hume, on the other hand, argued that this is an inference. The movement of ball A is a discrete event from the movement of ball B. So even if ball A always seems to move when ball B uh, comes in contact with it, there's no guarantee that A, this is going to happen next time, and B, that there is in fact a causal relationship between the two objects. And that's because we can't see cause. We can't prove cause. We can't observe the cause, and so therefore, we only see a succession of events. But deep in us, we feel that there is, in fact, a real connection between those two events. And so Hume suggests that while there might, in fact, be some connection between the two events and that we feel that there's a connection between the two events, we don't have any assurances that there are, in fact, connections between the two events. Our knowledge of the world uh, around us is, in fact, quite limited. Now, if we buy David Hume's proposition, this will make us pretty skeptical about any claims to absolute assurance over issues of cause and effect or causation. And if we can't prove cause and effect for the movement of two billiard balls, we're going to have a hard time proving historical causation. So how can we be certain of historical cause and effect? 
As good followers of Hume, we might simply say that we can't. That at best, we can point only to correlations between discrete events. But does that mean that every interpretation of cause and effect is equally valid then? The answer, I think, is no. Some interpretations are more valid than others depending on a number of variables, and these can include the availability of data, the complexity of relationships, and even the scale of analysis. And these are all issues that we'll uh, deal with in uh, the future episodes of this podcast. On our website, I am going to post uh, David Hume's uh, piece on billiard balls. Uh, I had a couple people request that I post some supplementary information. So I'm going to put that on there this week. Uh, I'm going to leave our conversation there with causation because next week what I'd like to do is pick up on the concept of correlation, which is very closely tied to the issue of causation. So thanks for listening to the Practicing History podcast. I look forward to hearing from you on my website at jasonmkelly.com or on my Twitter, which you can find on my website. And I hope you have a great week.